Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi. Hello, how's it going? Pretty well over here. How are over you? Over in sunny Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's actually been nice the past couple of days and it's been glorious just to get outside. Yeah, I think we have really similar weather. And the last two days I took like really long walks, which is amazing. And now today's rainy. Oh, yuck. Great. <laughs> I can look forward to that coming my way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You guys are probably like a day behind. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's summer I, or spring at least is here, which is amazing. <laughs> I know we kind of went from, and I'm sure you were the same, really, really cold to hot all of a sudden and then kind of leveled off again. So it's been a little jumpy, but yeah, especially with the quarantine, it's like getting outside makes such a big difference. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. So what else is going on? Well, um, I'm still doing therapy twice a week, which has been so good. I can't even tell you the difference that I'm feeling. I feel so like in just all areas so much better, but it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, once I started to address the stuff that I originally went to therapy for all this other stuff is coming up from like different parts of my past that I never really worked through. So that's been, that's been a thing, <laughs> but wow. yeah, yeah. All good stuff though. Any um, like major realizations or. Um, I realize mostly lately that I don't address things. <laughs> so yeah. like lots of emotional healing that I have to do, but it's good. Like, I'm really excited to do all this work. It's hard, of course, but it's good. I'm just really curious. How does she get you to deal with it? Just like talk through how you feel about something or is there a, a method she's using to like, okay, this is how you get past it. Yeah. So I'm doing cognitive behavioral therapy. So she kind of has, and I was mostly what I went for was health anxiety. So she has this really nice kind of like a guide almost that um, walks you through different things. Like you attack these beliefs that you have, um, kind of like rate them, how much, how much you believe them and then kind of go through why they don't actually serve you, if that makes sense. Um, and do, do that again. And then we have different breathing exercises and mindfulness practices, just kind of like all these different tools. And, um, we're just starting to get into more of the cognitive part of it. So a lot of behavioral stuff first. So that's where like this door is kind of cracking open and I'm doing a lot more talking and not as much, you know, strategizing and things like that. So it's been very interesting. I love that. I actually did CBT therapy back in college. And I mean, I remember doing the whole, this like sitting back and forth on the couch, like talking to myself and then making a car counter argument. And then there's just like some 
totally oh shit moments like oh (laughs) yeah what like you're holding on to this belief and it's just totally bs um that's amazing but I love that too and what you said about the behaviors is because she was saying or the the idea is it's easier to change behaviors than thoughts and it totally is because the thoughts can just be so deep-rooted yeah Um, it's actually some of it's kind of shocked me you know just what I've been holding on to all these years. So we'll see where that goes. That's awesome. Yeah. My therapist is not in that school and I have not been going twice a week. It's kind of been spotty, but she has some cool things like methods for relaxing yourself. So noticing tension in your body and like kind of giving yourself this feedback, like actually you can do soothing things rather than tensing things in the moment. So like I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders and my neck. And so if I get in a difficult situation, I'll tense up and that actually kind of makes you, makes your thoughts more tense and then your body more tense. And it just like ravels up Mm -hmm. rather than like, she's teaching some of these Um, like when I was pregnant and going into the office, I would like rub my belly and she's like, so that's probably a soothing thing for you. So you can actually do that when you start to get this emotional tension and it'll calm you down rather than holding tension in your body, which will like ramp up the emotional tension, if that makes sense. Totally. I love that. Yeah. I just love the idea of that, of like, let's, cause it's just so crazy how interconnected it is. Like me and Scott will have a fight and the next day our joints kind of hurt. And we're like, oh, we might've ate something that was kind of inflaming and the gut has this reaction. And then, um, so it's like, we almost see these things as like, that's why I felt like this yesterday. And it doesn't make your emotions not valid, but it's just, it's crazy how, how much it's affected by everything, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's what she keeps telling me because I'm obviously we are root cause people, right? That's why we do what we do. She's like, well, maybe it's not just anxiety, but maybe it's just anxiety. And that's what's causing all these other physical symptoms. And you don't have to go looking for this like mysterious root cause of all this. And yeah. So, so that's been fun. That's really um, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm really and I'm so happy you found somebody that's working so well. Yeah, I feel really lucky. She's just kind of, she calls herself a non-Pollyanna therapist. She's very, you know, she purses. I just love her so much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, and just something random unrelated. I've just been having a ton of website drama. You actually pointed it out to me. I didn't even know. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, it's been a nightmare. Oh no. <laughs> I know. I was like linking to it in the podcast episode and I clicked on it and I'm like, this isn't here. I'm not linking to this, but I'm like, do you know this? <laughs> no, nope, I had no, I have no idea how long it's been like that. So, but like in the, this weird way, as maddening as it's been, it really forced me to evaluate because I've like stepped away from everything, you know, I've talked about that. Like, do I even want to keep this up? Is this something I even want to be doing? And I do. And that was really, really, really like, I don't know. It just, it made me happy. It was really reassuring to me. And I've just like my wheels, my creative wheels have been turning over the past couple of days and I'm very excited about it. So maybe it was a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I know on Instagram this morning, you were saying like, we've been doing this for a while now and it is, it's been nine months and we have this, shared podcast that's related to our work 
but we're, you just kind of go through these cycles of what do I want to put out there into the world? And now that we've been working closely together, obviously I've noticed what you're doing and then what you're not doing and you're doing this now. And uh, it's just interesting to see kind of these ebbs and flows. And, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm really excited to hear that because yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing you like engage more and I, like, I hope that means things are, you're excited to share, I guess, in that place. Yeah. It, it feels good. It really, really feels good. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm kind of, yeah, I am in this place now where I want to take this seriously as a business. It's been a hobby for a while and I loved doing school. I loved learning everything. And I kind of told myself if it's just for fun, that's okay. Like we learn so much valuable information in the, in the NTA that would be applicable to raising children and feeding my family. And, you know, it's expensive just to (laughs) be a hobby, but it's, I was okay with that. And now I've been trying to share more, which I think I've been more consistent with and just the little bit that comes back, like getting this feedback from people or getting these questions of like, oh my gosh, I need to really look at this for my my family. Um, Or even just like, I appreciated you sharing this. It means so much and I just want more of it. So totally. um, I don't even think we've talked about this yet, but Scott and I had a pretty serious discussion over the weekend about our finances, like looked at everything and talked about what our goals are. Cause we've talked about this. I don't know how much I've talked about it on the podcast, but we've talked about these ideas of like mini retirements, like taking off a year and traveling or um, Scott and I went to Bali and worked for six weeks at one point, And we've wanted to do that again, like take the kids there for a semester of school or preschool or whatever it is. And so we're kind of looking at all these things and almost weighing them against each other. And also, um, you know, my baby's eight weeks old, but I don't think I'm done. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I do think I'm going to want a third kid and you know, that doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but it does have financial implications because we're in a two bedroom uh, townhouse and we have small cars. And so there's kind of all these things that I'm like, is it an either, or like I get to have a third kid or quit my job, you know, and that's sad to think about, but it's reality. Right. (laughs) Um, so we kind of looked at all these things and then, um, decided that I can work towards leaving my job. So amazing. Yeah. So we kind of, we came up with this list of things. Like I want to make sure I really like doing the work and that I'm willing to put in the work. Uh, I feel like if I quit now and had 40 hours a week and two kids that I wouldn't get a ton of this nutrition work done. So I want to at least get some things going to where I can pour 30 or 40 hours of work into that work once I quit. Um, because I, I just don't want to be a stay at home mom. It's not, I love, I love all of you who can do that, but, um, (laughs) I I do want to (laughs) like, yes, it is not. (laughs) I know. And I love, I love this time with my baby and I'm so thankful for that. But, 
um, yeah, I just, I want more of the flexibility. Like if I want to see my kids for an afternoon, like being able to take that off and not worrying about vacation days. And so, yeah, I know that'll mean making less money, but, um, or at least probably a lot less for (laughs) in the beginning, but yeah, we're, I'm super excited. I just want to see where this goes. So. That is amazing. I am so excited for you. I know this is something you've talked about from the get-go. This is great. Oh my gosh. I've been talking about this. So in my bio, it says I studied Thai massage, which was like 10 years ago. And I was going to quit my job back then. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. I like, I went to Thailand and backpacked for 10 weeks and, um, it, my whole thing was like, I'm quitting, I'm going to Thailand and I'm just going to like see where the world places me at the end of this and then yeah they gave me a leave of absence and I went back to insurance (laughs) and I don't regret it because it's like you know led me to my husband my kids everything we have but it's I am just ready yeah heck yeah you've earned it at this point I'd say yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just hard from like a like a sunk cost perspective like thinking of my career as, oh, I put all this work into it and now letting it go. But I just think that's not true. The skills I've learned, they're going to show up somewhere in whatever I do. It's not like I lose my experience. So absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's, I don't know if it's really even an update because I haven't done a lot yet, but I feel like, like this energy is picking up as I'm like, the more I do, the more I want to do. So it's exciting. Good. Wow. But so what else is going on? I know you have others. um, Yeah. I mean, just, you know, baby stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All things newborn. (laughs) That's always, but um, I will share that. Yeah. Just Connor has been having a major potty training regression, which is not super fun, but yeah, it's just all the time. He's kind of just going in his underwear and in his pants and he is violently refusing to go sit on the potty, even though like once we make him and then some comes out, he's like, oh, I did it. And, and we're like, yeah, like, and we're just like trying to tell him like, even if you don't have to go sit and try and it's okay if nothing comes out, but like he, he just doesn't want to. And then we're, our attention is a little less on him, I think, uh, because of the baby. So we're not like making him sit down maybe. And it's just, yeah, it's just like smells like urine in my house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle. So that's fun. And I don't know if anybody has any tips on that. I don't know if it's something we just have to ride out or because I've heard that happens when you have another baby. And I don't know if they're just trying to get attention. But if anybody knows anything about this, please reach out to me. Um, But he is still doing it at my mom's house and my mother in law's too when they have him. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh my God. And then, yeah, I think I've just last time, I don't know if that was last week we recorded with Hillary, but um, I I was in this place of like, oh, I've got this scheduled down with the baby. Everything's amazing. And it just changes so fast with newborns. (laughs) So (laughs) in case, in case I've made it sound too positive to people, it's 
Um, it's still really good, but there is definitely shifts. Like every time you think you have it down, they change. And I was just thinking that this week that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this with Connor. Like I would think like, oh, I've got it now. I know exactly when to feed him, exactly when to put him down for a nap. And I felt like that last week with her and it's just like, no, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. So, and I think part of it actually might be she found her thumb. So like, instead of getting these cries out, she'll just like go to sleep, but it's this shitty sleep where she wakes up after 15 minutes. And, um, so it's just been different, but we're, we're riding it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I'm super excited because next week I'm recording with Eliza Parker on the baby sleep stuff. So So I'm like, if nobody else sends me questions, I have plenty myself (laughs) (laughs) covered. (laughs) Yeah. So good. Yeah. That's, that's about all that's going on here. Yeah. I don't think anybody's lives are like crazy exciting right now. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying to find stuff to talk about because like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, yeah, let's get into some questions. I'm excited to do li- listener questions again. Um, so this one came up, this one I kind of sprung on you, but uh, so I can answer it first if you want, but um, my sister brought this up and she said it was like brought up in some health speech she attended where the woman gave like one, if there's one thing you want to take away from this and change your health, um, what would it be? And so my answer to that one was fats. Like look at the fats you're consuming, try to consume less of these damaged fats because it just causes so much inflammation throughout the body. And like we talked about a long time ago, your cells are comprised of fats and just making that change. It can take a long time. Like cells take seven years to fully turn over. So making these changes in the, in consuming quality fats takes a long time to improve. And it just, it really wreaks havoc on a lot of hormonal systems. A lot of your hormones are made from fats and cholesterol. So if you're eating these crappy like canola oil where there's no cholesterol, which they want to tell you is a good thing and they're damaged from heat, um, you can't make these sex hormones, your sex drive drops, your cold, like just all these things. And I think like just good healthy fats like red meat and butter and olive oil and avocado oil are just an amazing thing to add in and, and ideally replace the, the other choices. So that's my answer. No, I like that. And I, I kind of took it differently because I didn't know it was health specific. It just seemed like this really broad, like, Oh, any life changing tip, go for it. So what I originally, I was kind of between two and one is health related. I guess they both are, but, um, what I was going to say was don't, wait until you can't like you can't function to put yourself first because I think at least like the position I was in and I know a lot of women moms probably just people in general you know you kind of just don't take your health seriously until it starts to fail and um yeah it's just not not I guess working on good stress management and kind of along with that like I was thinking along the lines if it's health related, more like digestion stuff, because if you are constantly stressed out, you could be eating really well, but you're not digesting all this stuff. So getting your 
like mental state in a good place, doing things you enjoy with things that make you happy will kind of just help downregulate everything. So when you're eating these good fats, you can use them. <laughs> yeah. And then, so her health talk, the answer was fiber. And I'm like, oh. well, that's not a bad one because usually it's increasing vegetables, which is hard for people. So yeah. I think that's a good one, but yeah. uh, I do think it's easier to explain to people too, because they know what fiber is. But if you start going into all these details about trans fats that, you know, <laughs> monounsaturated fats that turn into trans fats, it, it's a little much for a quick tip. <laughs> totally. Totally. But I love talking about fat. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Our next question was from Maggie. I want to repair and promote good gut health for my family, but if we have to eliminate sugar, dairy, gluten, beans, and the stuff we love, I'm not sure what's worse, bad gut health or not enjoying the foods that we like. Where could we start with some foods to repair and help gut health? Yeah, so this came after our episode with Kelsey on gut health, which I think was fabulous if you haven't listened to that one yet. Okay. Um, so I just want to step way back with this question. Um, so with specifically with the gut health, we talked about repairing and then introducing, like reintroducing bacteria. So people want to think that they can just add a probiotic or add sauerkraut or whatever and help their gut health. But if you're not repairing that gut lining first, you're never going to get the right balance and stop these foods from entering your bloodstream that shouldn't be there. So talking about repair, um, food elimination is one possible way to get there if you have leaky gut. So leaky gut is where your intestinal lining is permeable. So meaning larger food particles can get into the bloodstream. And we talked a lot about digestion in that episode because if your digestion isn't working properly, you have larger molecules of food making it into your large intestine that can then get put into your bloodstream. So if you have a major food intolerance, it's going to be difficult to get healthy without eliminating those foods. But I don't necessarily think the first thing you have to jump to is let's get rid of everything. Because I think, first of all, that's not something that's easy to keep up with. Um, a lot of people want to, all right, me and my family are going to be super healthy and we're eliminating all these things. And then it tends to be the first time you cheat on one of them, or I say cheat, but um, you're out and you have something when we used to go out, <laughs> you're, you, you have something that has one of these things. And then you're like, well, I might as well have all of them. Like, oh, the day's lost. I'm going to eat everything that I see because I'm off my plan. And now I'll start again on Monday. Like <laughs> I've seen that all the time. So I don't think that's the best place to be in, especially if you're like, like I said, really just starting to try to make better choices, I'm going to go and say, maybe you don't eliminate any of these things and just try to focus on higher quality foods. Um, and then, so specifically, I'm going to go to two different routes and it's going to be based on your symptoms. So 
if you feel bloated inflammation, like joint pain, um, kind of symptoms, uh, like headaches, um, so muscle pain, things like this, I'm going to go this route of digestion and gut health. But if your symptoms are like not sleeping well, mood stuff, um, having trouble concentrating, having trouble getting up in the morning, low energy, I think where you want to look there is with your blood sugar, um, just balancing balancing your blood sugar throughout the day. So anytime you have carbohydrates, making sure there's enough fat and proteins. And I'll just say this rule again, because people told me it was helpful. Um, I look at, if I'm looking at like a snack and there's something with a label, I look at the grams of carbs, fat, and proteins. I double the fat, the number of grams of fat, add the protein and I'd like that to be greater than the number of carbohydrates. And this is for the total like meal or snack or all the things you're eating. So if something like was a little bit higher in carbs, like a cracker, but you're dipping it in hummus, you're, you're balancing that out. So that's just going to help your blood sugar from really spiking if it's not a heavy carbohydrate source. So anyway, those are kind of the two paths I'd go if you're looking at your health of your family, what are you experiencing? So talking more about this digestion gut pass, so you're feeling bloated, like you you just don't feel good when you eat. Um, I'm going to look at higher quality food. So you don't necessarily, and we're going to get a little more into dairy with our other question, but you don't have to eat crappy skim milk from the gas station you know dairy is not all the same so eat things like so things like yogurt are going to have more they're digesting the the sugars in the the dairy before you're consuming it so there might be things that are easier on your digestion like that um but just looking at processed food in general and trying to reduce it. So um, I don't necessarily have a problem with beans unless you had a really damaged gut lining. I don't know how you feel about beans. I agree. Um, yeah. And gluten, honestly, I, I, gluten was like a dirty word in my house for a while. And now that I've been on the sourdough kick, I'm like, gluten's amazing. Like it just has this amazing structure and integrity that it gives to baked goods. And thinking about it in terms of this whole process of the fermentation and the day and a half to make this loaf of bread and every, every nutrient that's in there. And um, there's no bad foods I'm kind of getting to realize. And it's just kind of taking back this processing. So if your body doesn't do that well with dairy, it might do okay with raw dairy. Um, so I would say get away from skim stuff and go to whole milk, whole yogurt, um, raw cultured cheeses. So I would say just start to focus on the quality of your food. And again, what I was saying with the oils, that really does wreak havoc on your gut, these bad 
oils. And I, I said, there's no bad foods, but these things really aren't foods, these, these oils. So it would be soybean oil, canola oil, safflower, sunflower oil. Um, what else am I? Vegetable. Yeah. Vegetable oil. If you're cooking with that kind of stuff, but yeah, I'm trying to think of stuff on packages, but, um, really anything other than, um, coconut oil and avocado oil in terms of what chips are cooked in or things like that is probably a damaged fat. Um, so yeah, looking at things like that. And then in terms of gluten, yeah, let's try to get less processed stuff. You don't have to necessarily avoid gluten, but are you eating Totino's pizza rolls or is it like some bread someone baked for you or, you know, a tortilla, but it's not a big part of the meal. So that's kind of where I would start. And with a lot of people, I start with breakfast because it tends to be somewhere where people tend to think these processed foods are the only choice. <laughs> like you have to do cereal or oatmeal or whatever. And it's not, again, it's not these gluten-free oats that you've let um, cook for a while and added, like if I make a batch of oatmeal and putting butter and collagen in there to balance it out, it's like a packet of instant oatmeal. And so, yeah, that's somewhere I really like to start because you can introduce whole foods at breakfast and figure out something that works. And that's going to a set you out for good blood sugar balance throughout the day. But, um, also, yeah, I think it's just the, the place I tend to see the most processed foods. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I love that. I love the two different ways, the two different paths of looking at it. I think that was super comprehensive. Um, I actually said a lot of the same things because, I mean, it does seem daunting. I, I remember reading all this stuff when I first started and just getting all this information. It's like, well, oh my gosh, what am I going to be eating? <laughs> so I kind of, um, I said very similar things, but I, I mentioned just if, Eliminating things is something that you choose to do or you feel like you have to do, just kind of picking one thing at a time. And so that becomes second nature. So if you choose to remove gluten, that's cool. Um, maybe start with like your breads or your pastas and switch to something gluten-free or less processed. Like Michelle said, the homemade sourdough is amazing. Swapping out your noodles, um, anything. It, it, even if it feels too small, it's not. Do that until you feel comfortable and then maybe if you still feel like you have to keep eliminating, move on to the next thing. And then the next thing, um, I agree with what Michelle said. It's not necessarily a make or break, um, in that regard for your gut health, but any little change that you're going to make towards your health is, you know, you're going to see a positive impact. Um, even if it's not just one thing and just remember that this isn't like, you know, even 10 or 15 years ago, where if you were gluten-free or something, everything is cardboard and it's not, it's, Real food is so good. It is just so good. Um, so I really liked the enjoyment part of the question because that to me says there's a lot of like mindset stuff that has to come from that. And that again comes from, oh my gosh, I have to get rid of all this stuff. It's so good. How are we going to, how are we going to do this? So um, it might not be immediate. It might not be the first time you try something, you know, less processed. Say you swap out your pasta for spaghetti squash or like zucchini noodles or some sort of something like that. 
I'm not going to say you're going to love it, but I'm not going to say you're going to hate it because when you season that stuff with like the right spices and the right fats, it's actually really good. So don't feel like you have to just jump into this and, um, you know, love everything right away because you might not. So you have this information, you have this knowledge, and it's really good that you do because now you get to decide what is going to work for you and your family. Um, you have to make the take the steps that you're comfortable with that feel good for you, and just kind of like I would I would baby step it truly, just one thing at a time, and that's okay. It's it's not going to be necessarily an overnight thing or an all or nothing thing. Um, I I kind of went into some of the things because she asked about where you could start, like what kind of foods. Obviously, like Michelle said, get rid of all the processed stuff that you can. Um, I, I don't know how attainable this is because I was talking about like probiotic rich foods, cooking down your vegetables, because something else I've seen with people, if you do have kind of a little bit of a damaged gut, you know, you know, you should be eating more vegetables, right? That's great. But sometimes eating vegetables raw can really irritate an already inflamed gut. So cooking them down with like broth or even just steaming them with water, good quality butter, some salt, you know, make them nice and soft. I would make sure you're chewing your food enough. Um, something else that we do is just kind of sipping on lemon water before meals sometimes when I remember, <laughs> but that can kind of help get your gastric juices flowing. It's really good. You don't want to be chugging a bunch of water before you eat, but just a little bit, you know, 10 to 15 minutes before you sit down. And um, yeah, again, with the fats, just kind of removing the overly processed ones and just making it attainable for you and your family is kind of what I had to say about that. Yeah, I really like that. Just the idea of if you guys like spaghetti night or mac and cheese, maybe just doing a super easy swap, like a gluten-free noodle or like I like the chickpea mac and cheese. Um, So it's not the best choice in the world, but it's also not going to do a ton of damage to my gut. And then I love what you said about the enjoyment because it's like, yeah, maybe start there. Just start with something you like. And like, if you can make a couple tiny swaps or maybe there's something you love that fits the way you want to be and think about that because I've talked about this a lot of times. I do not feel deprived in how I eat. And I can go out to events that have food that doesn't fit how I want to be eating. And I I don't feel bad not eating it. (laughs) Like, because in general, I just love food. I love cooking for myself. And I did not get there overnight. And it started as a very restrictive, this is so hard thing. And if there's a way to just embrace things you love rather than focusing on what you can't have you're not gonna miss like the cheetos in your pantry once you're making good food or even just finding snacks that you like that are cooked in a better oil and not filled with synthetic cheese or like whatever it is Um, some of those are the easiest swaps to make finding a packaged food that uses better ingredients like we really like the simple mills crackers and like I said, that Banza or whatever, the chickpea mac, uh, Jackson's Honest Chips or Siete, just finding some of this stuff where it's so easy, especially for your kids to swap to a healthier snack food. So 
um, yeah, don't don't start hating food because that's not fun. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And if at some point you got to the point where you're so close that, you know, you're barely eating any. I don't I don't think dairy is necessarily the biggest problem if you find quality dairy. It depends on the person. But um, yeah, if you're close, like you're not eating that much gluten anymore and then you want to try eliminating it, it's going to be a lot easier than trying to jump in. So. Totally. Totally. Love okay. that. So our next question was, how can I get enough calcium without dairy? Okay. So I, again, want to just jump back a little bit and talk about dairy in general. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. Somebody's doing one of those like birthday honking things. No, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's funny how the quarantine culture has just sprung up like it's a thing now. So, um, so dairy, a lot of the dairy we're consuming, it just has to be considered a processed food. And I think this question came from somebody who thinks they have issues digesting dairy. And just because you can't digest skim milk, you know, in the jug or whatever form you're getting it in, doesn't mean all forms of dairy are something you can't digest. So I will get into other sources of calcium, but dairy, if dairy is a really nutrient rich food, and it is a really good source of calcium. And it's, I think it is worth trying to explore and see what works. And again, I came from this paleo background where all dairy is bad, all gluten is bad, and I'm just not there anymore. And so finding um, a lot of people that have issues with dairy, it's either the casein or which is a protein in dairy or the lactose, which is a sugar. So if you're talking about milk, we'll talk about cow's milk. Raw cow's milk has lactase in it and it has enzymes that are going to help break down. So the lactase is the enzyme you produce in your body that will digest lactose. So a lot of people who are lactose intolerant, just um, this lactase declines over time. So children all make a lot of lactase to be able to consume breast milk, but after the age of eight, it kind of declines for everyone. And it's harder for you to break down that lactose. So, but um, in the pasteurization of milk, you're killing these enzymes that are present in the milk that actually help you, help you digest it. And then you're left with, if your body doesn't have it, you can't, you can't consume it. Um, and then with casein, that is something that if you have a sensitivity to casein in cow's milk, uh, you might be able to do like goat's milk or sheep's milk or a different animal really easily. And so I think that's worth exploring if you feel like you can't process dairy is other animals looking to raw milk sources. That's going to be something that's easier if you're in Pennsylvania uh, from what we talked about than if you're in Illinois if you're local and you want some raw milk, I have a hookup, which <laughs> <laughs> I have a guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a guy, but it, it is not legal here. But the more I learn about it, it's just so much safer than pasteurized milk, which really like if you leave out raw milk and pasteurized milk, 
there's just going to be a major difference in how the pasteurized milk spoils so quickly and it turns into something disgusting versus raw milk. If you just leave it out, it turns into sour cream. And um, so anyway, um, I just think, I think raw milk is really great, but also there's other um, yogurt, like I said, there's less of that sugar in it because the cultures in the yogurt are feeding off of that sugar. So again, if you're lactose intolerant, you might be able to do yogurt or, you know, not lactose intolerant, but you, you don't have enough of this lactase. Um, I would look at this yogurt rather than just milk. So explore around. Um, cheese, again, is something that's higher in fat, sour cream, it um, is breaking breaking that down and it's more the fat too. The fat doesn't, you know, there's proteins, carbs, and fat. If it's a fattier thing, it has less of the sugar and the um, the protein, which are tend to be more problematic in dairy than the other things. So a lot of people who can't do dairy that well can still do butter. Um, and then there's ghee, which um, is the just the fat. So butter is, butter still has some protein in it, but ghee is kind of just the fat part and it doesn't have any of the lactose or the casein. Um, so that's kind of, I would just explore with dairy because I do think, again, I think it's a wonderful food. So then also I'll say in the process of skimming milk, you're getting rid of the fat, obviously, but you're also getting rid of the fat soluble vitamins. And one thing that we learned from the NTA is like, this is our only um, key principle or whatever from the calcium section. It's that calcium is a game of cofactors. So if you are consuming plenty of calcium, but you're not getting these cofactors, the calcium won't get absorbed into your body. So the cofactors are these fattier, these fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, and K2. Magnesium is something that really helps the absorption of calcium. And you'll see in your milk, if you buy processed milk from the store, what they're doing is they're skimming the fat off and then they're adding these fat-soluble vitamins to the milk. So they're taking out the vitamins, they're pasteurizing it, killing the probiotics, killing what's in the milk, and then they're adding these vitamins back in. But for fat-soluble vitamins, they need to be consumed with fat in order to be absorbed. So if you're getting these vitamins thrown into a fat-free milk and you're not consuming that with fat, you're not getting these vitamins and you're not getting the calcium anyway from the milk. So that was a lot that didn't necessarily answer the question of if you're taking out dairy, but some of the things I like if you're not eating dairy, so let's say you do all these things and you can't have any form of dairy. Uh, there are other foods. I really like bone broth, but it isn't well known exactly how much calcium is in there. And it depends on so many things. So if you're making it at home, it's going to depend on how long you cook the bones for, how much bone there is to water ratio. And I've looked for this and there just really isn't a good measurement because I think a lot of these things that look at the nutrients, they stop at between two and eight hours and look at the content. But if you've made bone broth at home, you know, the bones don't get credit, um, don't get 
what am I thinking of where they break down? Like, um, they don't get like that until they've been cooking for a really long time. So, um, yeah, just, I, I think that's a great source. If you can make your own, leave it to cook for 36 hours and the bones will get brittle and you'll see that the calcium went into the water basically. And then some other greens like kale, spinach, broccoli, sardines are really great or any fish you can get canned salmon with the bones in it, with the small bones. So if you're consuming bones of fish, you're getting that calcium from the bone. And another great source is actually sesame seeds or tahini has a lot of calcium in it. So that's kind of my whole spiel on dairy. (laughs) It was really good. I think I have the exact same sources as you. So, okay. No, you had, I I love the information that you gave. And I think something else that I said, just like you is of course, the quality of the dairy matters because if you're eating, like my dad will eat processed cheese. My mom would just buy blocks of it and he'll go through like two or three a week. It's sickening. He's like, why am I so bloated? Why do I, why is my nose always, I have this post-nasal drip all the time. It's like, dude, it's probably all that processed cheese that you're eating. So, um, and again, like you said, I, I know most people do get a good amount of calcium, like kind of enough, I would say roughly. Um, but we don't have these cofactors to absorb it. So yeah, like you said, the vitamin D helps the absorption of calcium. Magnesium helps convert the vitamin D to its active form. You want to be eating that. And another thing to think about too are grains. So if you're eating a lot of grains, they have something called phytic acid that kind of inhibits the, um, the uptake of calcium in your body. So if you're not completely avoiding grains, it's best if you look for soaked or sprouted so that phytic acid is kind of broken down and it'll help your digestion a ton. It'll be easier on your gut, kind of to tie it back to that gut question. Um, but it also will help with the uptake of calcium from whatever sources you're getting it from. I agree. I, I had bone broth. I had sardines or canned salmon with the bones. And I know some people, and I've like gone back and forth with the salmon or the uh, sardines thing too. Sometimes I'm cool with it. Sometimes, I don't know, just the thought of it freaks me out. But I found that when I, I, they're super cheap, by the way, it's like a really inexpensive, good quality source of not only calcium, but like fats and omegas, all the things um, for a good price point. But if you chop them up, with like, or if you mash them up with like a lot of finely chopped vegetables, I love pickles or relish or something. So like add that in there, lemon juice, salt, dump hot sauce on that. Like you won't even know that you're eating sardines. You'll forget. You'll totally forget. I've heard people do it like a tuna and sardine mix too. Like a tuna salad, but swap in some sardines for tuna. Yeah. And it does taste very similar to tuna. It really does. It's just like the mind game. And of course the like dark- Not to me. Not to you. (laughs) For me, it's the mind game. <laughs> um, dark leafy greens too, like you said, like bok choy, broccoli, kale. They're all good sources of calcium as well. So yeah, a lot of the same stuff that you said. Okay. That question. Well, yeah. And one thing I'll say is people don't think of milk as a probiotic food, going back to this gut question. And that's because usually we're killing that. But if you get raw milk, it is a probiotic food. And even with the yogurts, if you're buying yogurt in a store, usually, well, yeah, illegally, you have to pasteurize it, which kills all of those active cultures. And then they add some synthetic cultures back in. And it's not necessarily the, the variety of bacteria that you would want for your body. They just kind of add something in. 
Uh, and it depends on what brand you're buying, but yeah, you're not eating a live, a live cultured yogurt if you're buying it from the store versus like if you get a probiotic food, uh, or a yogurt from a raw milk source, they, it's still alive and it's still consuming, you know, feeding on the sugars and the milk and it'll change over time a little bit, but, um, so yeah, just something there. Yeah. So, all right. So we have one more question. Um, my husband brought up several times, not my husband that the asker's husband, uh, <laughs> that he isn't losing weight, even though he is working out. I'm suspicious it's due to high cortisol levels with just trying to survive. This has been an excuse for me to give myself a little more grace and avoid the scale. So I think the question is, how do you know if weight gain is due to high cortisol? Yeah. And I, I know the person who asked this question and I know, um, it's more specifically related to this, like, you know, this pandemic that we're in right now at the time of recording. Um, I know the two of them are working from home with a toddler. So we're clearly in unprecedented times right now, right? Like you're working from home. Probably you may or may not have kids around. You're cooking all of your meals for the most part. And you're worrying about yourself and other people. And even if it doesn't feel heavy to you, it's a lot of stress and it's, it's perceived stress, right? Like there's a lack of control. This is a brand new event. There's, there's a lot that goes into this. And when our bodies are even acutely aware of stress, cortisol is being pumped out. So, um, it's kind of, it's getting pumped out into your body, whether you like it or not, unfortunately, in these stressful situations. And it goes to what it thinks is the most important place in your body, basically. So when you think about cortisol, it's really, it's the fight or flight response, right? Like our ancestors had cortisol pumping through them whenever they came across a tiger or whatever those big elephant things were, <laughs> woolly mammoth, you know, back then. And it helped you. It went, it went to your limbs. Like the blood just goes right to your limbs. So you can run away from whatever is chasing you. So when that happens, things like digestion, hormonal function, they're not high on the priority list. And of course, today we're not running away from, you know, saber-toothed tigers or whatever, but we have this perceived perceived stress from the pandemic. We're working a lot, pandemic or not, you know, our phones are going off. We have our computers around us all the time. There's just a lot of stress on our bodies. So that cortisol is being pumped out quite a lot and it can be inflammatory. So you might notice a lower sex drive, you might notice a little more weight gain. You might notice your body hanging on to things more, disrupting your sleep, all kinds of stuff. So not only does it cause inflammation in your body, but it upsets your digestive function, which kind of creates this vicious cycle of an inflammatory response. Because if you're not, like we've talked about this before, but if you're not breaking down the food that you're eating, because you're in this sympathetic cortisol rich state, um, things are kind of, you know, they're going through your gut like they're, they shouldn't be. And it's just causing all kinds of inflammation in your body. Um, and I know she kind of mentioned her husband has been exercising. And of course, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody not to exercise because it's important, but it is important to be mindful of how much and how intensely you're working out whenever your body is already under stress because it can cause that cortisol spike. But when your body's already pumping out, it could also like, it'll go high and then it'll just go super low and just cause this cortisol burnout, which 
as you can imagine, is also not good. So if you kind of find yourself in this place where you're feeling really tired after your workout, like more so than normal and not necessarily in a good way, or you are noticing more stress, you know, sleep disruption, anything like that, maybe dial back the intensity a little while or a little bit until you start to feel a little more balanced. And again, this is going to take some playing around, you know, you know, your body best. So just kind of listen to that. I know for me, but even before this pandemic, because I was, you know, in this highly anxious state, I I couldn't, I just like physically could not work out. So I would do things like yoga or walking, which I know people who run a lot, for example, or lift really heavy, don't necessarily love to hear, but just be mindful of your exercise because that'll really help the cortisol response. Also, something that you can think about is prioritizing sleep. Like I mentioned, if you're not getting a good like seven, six, seven, eight hours a night, I wouldn't go crazy with the working out. Make sure you're hydrating. All these things that are going to support your body to just kind of tell it that it's safe and it's okay as much as you can in this environment. So hydrating, I really like to add a pinch of sea salt, maybe a squeeze of lemon. So you get those extra minerals and electrolytes. So you're not just completely depleting your body. Definitely make sure you're eating enough. Um, I, I know it's hard during a pandemic. Like how many memes do you see about people eating all the food, drinking all the alcohol at all hours of the day? It's hard. And don't deprive yourself of joy for sure. Like I've been having a glass of wine in the evening and it's been the greatest decision I've ever made. So, but that being said, be mindful um, because that stuff can be inflammatory. And when you're already stressed out, it's just like going to make it 10 times worse. Um, Definitely get outside if you can, or just do something that you're going to enjoy. I know it's hard to connect with people. It's not the same over Zoom, but we do get to do that. So just kind of like do little things throughout the day. And even if you think it's silly or small, it's going to flip your body into that more parasympathetic or rest and digest kind of state and just kind of calm that cortisol response. And it'll really help with inflammation. Even like I like to tell people or even do this myself, just the first thing in the morning, especially if it's sunny, just get outside for like 10 to 15 minutes. Even if you're just kind of standing there, or if you're having your coffee, whatever, that can really help not only with the cortisol response and inflammation, but also melatonin production. So when you're ready to go to bed, you know, your, your body's kind of primed for that. I also really like adaptogens personally, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you to take this stuff. Of course, please talk to your trusted medical provider before you go into anything, but I'm a huge fan of Four Sigmatic and Rasa. I don't know if we've talked about Rasa before, but they have um, like an herbal adaptogenic blend. They have some with cacao, some with like a little bit of coffee in it. I'm a huge fan. Love that stuff. I drink it almost every single morning. And adaptogens kind of work with your body to... um, they, they kind of meet you where you're at. So if you need to be brought down, they'll help bring you down. If you need to be pushed up, they'll help bring you up. And it works best if you take them, you know, pretty consistently over a longer period of time. But, um, and of course, vitamins, you know, if you're not eating, I don't want to say the best because I'm not trying to judge people, <laughs> but focusing on like vitamin C, full of antioxidants, fat soluble vitamins like D, selenium, magnesium, zinc, those will all help with cortisol as well. Um, and then just to address the scale thing really quick, I, I like that you said you're giving yourself grace. I think that's super important. I, I'm not hating on the scale, but I, I personally hate the scale. (laughs) It's a really useful tool, but if you find yourself getting caught in this loop of like, oh my gosh, the numbers aren't moving, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't freak out. Just put it away for a little while and 
yeah, don't add any extra stress to your life now. Um, especially with like the shoulds quote, right? Like I should be feeling this way. I should be weighing this. I should be blah, blah, blah. Just, just don't do that to yourself right now. Like you said, you're being gentle with yourself. I think that's awesome. And I think everybody needs to hear this because it's like we're in survival mode for sure. So that was long, but that was kind of my take on the cortisol question. No, I love that. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of similar things to, to say, but in terms of the giving yourself grace, yes, give yourself grace. You do not have to look at the scale, but at the same time, I think it can be a useful data point if you're putting on weight. And if you do think your cortisol is high, even, even though we're in a pandemic, it is worth trying to explore that. So I'll draw a quick parallel. Like I'm eight weeks postpartum. So I'm not going to judge myself at all if I'm holding on to weight. And, but I'm also gonna use the information. If, if I'm holding on to weight, it can just be hormonal, but it might be because my blood sugar is not balanced or I'm not sleeping well or any of the things like you said. Uh, I think just being in a pandemic in general, like your routine getting changed can be very stressful in itself. And it's not, it's not easy to adapt to, even if you kind of talk yourself into it's not that bad or whatever. Um, there, there's some baby noises, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it is stressful in and of itself, but there's a lot of things that can be stressful. And if you think your cortisol is high, some of these things also kind of go hand in hand with a p- pandemic, like not getting enough nutrients. So um, like you said, if you're low in vitamins, it's perceived as a stressor to your body. Or if your blood sugar isn't balanced, so say you're at home and you're snacking a lot and you have these blood sugar spikes throughout the day from eating more sugar than normal, that's something that's going to raise your cortisol and potentially, you know, make you hold on to some weight. And yes, let's have grace, but we also can make better choices if we want to. And even if the weight doesn't come off now, like using that as a signal to, I don't want to add this extra stress from this on top of all the other stressors right now. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I have to say is that if you, if you suspect that, I think try to find where this stress is coming from. Cause it's not necessarily, um, the, the things you think about as stress, like, oh, I have to be stressed because A, B, and C are going on. I, I think, like you said, with the exercise, over-exercising is a stressor, but so is under-exercising because your muscles want to move. So it's not a waste if you're not burning calories. You still just kind of need to move your joints, move your muscles. Um, so yeah, go out for a walk, do a quick range of motion, like aren't like do arm circles with your arms and like it even a five minute little run through is going to be a lot better than you know just sitting and not moving at all so that is that is a stressor to your body to not move at all so um yeah my daughter woke up from her nap (laughs) as, (laughs) as you've heard but um so but yeah, I think that was about most of what I had to say. Like it's I think it's just possible to give yourself grace and at the same time 
try to make some choices. And I think this is something I've really wanted to talk about in a postpartum state is like, don't be attached to the outcome. Um, Still give yourself those right inputs. So yeah, get rid of the scale and check in with yourself. Do I feel stressed? Do, Do I think a walk in the evening would calm me down and get me ready to sleep better, get me some fresh air outside, or like, again, a quick walk in the morning to get some sunlight. My, my husband's been saying he's been kind of going crazy with work. First of all, he's a people person, but second of all, he's in the basement all day and Mm -hmm. he doesn't have any of these little breaks, even like walking to get lunch. And so your body wants sunlight in the morning too, to kind of set these circadian rhythms. So There's a lot of little things you can do, but if it doesn't result in you losing weight, it's still worth doing. And when your body's ready to let go of that weight, it's going to be easier if you've taken these steps now. So again, just drawing this like postpartum parallel, I might hold on to a decent amount of weight while I'm breastfeeding, but that doesn't mean it's not worth balancing my blood sugar. So I think that's, that's just kind of where I'm at with this one. Cause I'm, I'm really in this place now where I'm looking at my body and I'm like, Oh, I have, I have some extra fat. Like I might want to start trying to um, give myself some better inputs, but I don't care, I guess. I, I mean, I care, but I don't care if it results in me losing weight or not. It's just, um, does that make sense? Totally. It's kind of just like a signal that you can respond to, but just don't be attached to the outcome, be attached to giving yourself the best inputs you can and trying to be healthy. Yeah. I love that. You can't see me, but I'm nodding so hard at everything you're saying. <laughs> so good. <laughs> good. And Ashlyn's super into it. She, she totally um, agrees. It's just like, yeah, mom. I'll just say in general, like this is totally off topic, but now that I have a daughter, I think these things are so important, like not, not, I just never want her to feel like she needs to diet to lose two pounds or whatever it is. Like, um, it doesn't mean you have to gain a lot of weight just because you're not hating your body for, you know, not being perfect. Like, um, yeah, you can be healthy and like be happy with where your body is and give yourself healthy inputs and be be a size that you're happy with without hating yourself. Totally. Totally. Um, so, All right. Well, I think that about wraps that up. Yeah, we covered it. We did. All right. Well, All right. yeah, so you. good to talk to you. Thank you. Have a good one. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.